Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be travelling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints, from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding, and hopefully yours, of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. It's episode 100. We are finally there. Uh, Long-term listeners will know that my counting of episode skills leave a little to be desired. So it might be 100. I think it's 100. You might tell me otherwise. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. So happy 100 episodes to the Bloody Vegans podcast. <laughs> uh, feels a bit self-congratulatory, but there you go. Anyway, um, so uh, let's do a little bit of admin before we get into the episode in hand. Um, so November 27th, uh, you will be sick of me saying this by now, I'm sure, but it is well worth repeating. It bears repeating. November the 27th uh, at Roslyn Park, south of London, um, the Green Gazelles, the world's first vegan rugby team, the world's world's first. That's incredible. Um, With over 150 players on the books from around the world, uh, men, women, uh, children, people of all ages um, are playing their first, well, not quite their first competitive game, but certainly their first 15s game, for those of you familiar with rugby, their first 15s game uh, against uh, Roslyn Park, the home side there. Um, And it's a a ticketed affair. It's £15 a ticket. You can buy those on greengazellesrugbyclub.com. That's greengazellesrugbyclub.com. And uh, there'll be a feast of entertainment. I mean, a a literal feast. There'll be lots of vegan food, um, but all sorts of music and other kind of other kind of merriment. So I would thoroughly recommend you get your tickets quickly because they are they are going fast. And I think there is uh, what should we say? I think I think there's about two thousand of them in in total, and they are going quickly. They're going at a pace. So it is not a forty thousand capacity stadium. So. Uh, those tickets will, will not last long, you know. So do get hold of your ticket as soon as you can on greengazellesrugbyclub.com. Um, next up, uh, Reading Vegan Festival. For those who are very close uh, to this south of England, West Berkshire in particular, the Thames Valley area, uh, 25 minutes on a train from Paddington if you get one of the quick ones, uh, you can be at Reading Vegan Festival uh, September the 18th in Market House in Reading. And there is a whole host of, of wonderful things. Obviously, lots of vegan businesses to support, um, stallholders, etc. Lots of food, crafts, all kinds of other wonderful wonderful stuff. There'll be some live music as well. Um, and the bit that I'm involved with specifically uh, is the guest speakers. There's a, a little guest speakers area. We're going to have lots of folks uh, giving live live talks about all kinds of different subjects, whether climate uh, climate change-based, um, uh, animal advocacy, uh, health, you name it. There's all kinds of different subjects. Um, and there's also a live interview as well. So I think I, think I can say who the guest speakers are. So the guest speakers, we've We've got uh, Dora Hargitay, uh, Dora, former guest of the Bloody Vegans podcast, uh, deeply involved in Animal Rebellion, uh, absolutely fantastic orator, um, and she's going to be talking about the very, very uh, pressing climate emergency and all we can do to support Animal Rebellion in that 
cause. Uh, we've got the quite wonderful and and another uh, former patron of this parish, Olivier Mancondo. Uh, he's going to be talking about his his personal incredible journey uh, into veganism that caused his whole life to flip around from a health perspective. Um, so he's going to be talking to, about some of his uh, his amazing health tips. Uh, we've got, uh, who else have we got? We've got a live chat with uh, Harkey, the uh, founder of Stay Close Clothing, around his work uh, connected to Keep the Ban, an organisation that is against fox hunting and looking to actively keep the, the ban in place in the UK because it is uh, under threat all the time. So um, a, a wonderful, hopefully wonderful <laughs> conversation. Uh, that one's more of a chat. It's more like a live Bloody Vegans podcast, which is exciting. Um, and then finally, and actually today's guest on this podcast is also at the Reading Vegan Festival, and that is the, the lovely Tim Thorpe, uh, Senior Campaigns, officer for the vegan society the og vegan society um so tim's going to be there talking about the the campaign plate up for the planet amongst other things um and indeed that moves us swiftly into this week's episode so on this week's episode i'm going to be speaking with tim thorpe who if you if you like the sound of this you can go and see live at, at the vegan festival um but i'm going to be speaking with tim thorpe the senior campaigns officer um for the vegan society um we talk about a range of subjects obviously we talk about the planting value in our in our food system report um which regular listeners will know um i spoke about with the author of that report dr alex lockwood uh, some weeks ago um we're going to be speaking about that report from the vegan society's perspective going a little bit further on that one uh, we'll also look at plate up for the planet and and really as you know as as you as you will know if you're a long-term listener we're going to be exploring tim's personal journey into the world of veganism which is always important hey um so uh, as as usual, if you'd like to support the podcast, please leave us a five star review on um, iTunes. Uh, that would be quite wonderful. Or wherever you get your podcast, if there's a, some kind of review system, review it. That would be lovely. Uh, so if you want to support the podcast, please do that. There's also some uh, merchandise available on the website. So if you'd like a Bloody Vegans podcast t-shirt, then uh, by all means uh, do that as well. That would be quite wonderful. Um, and that's about it. I think you've had enough admin from me. You've had enough ums and ahs from me. So uh, without further ado, here is a conversation between me and Tim Thorpe from the Vegan Society. Right then. So Tim, it'd be uh, be awesome to get started with a little bit of your personal journey into the world of veganism. What, what kind of brought you here? Yeah, sure. Well, um, thanks for having me on, Jim. Um, so my story into veganism is, um, uh, it was quite a long journey, to be honest. I'm, I was not somebody who was uh, kind of easily, uh, easily turned vegan by a kind of specific person or a specific event. Um, I was uh, very much a, a meat eater growing up. Um, I think my kind of first exposure to the idea was um, my uh, older brother, actually, who went uh, vegetarian when I was about 15, I think. Mm. Um, and I remember I used to kind of, you know, take the mickey out of him a little bit. And, and you know, I, I didn't really understand it at the time. And um, uh, But he, he never really kind of liked animal products that much anyway. He never really enjoyed me. Mm. 
but I was a big a big meat eater. And um, yeah, I think uh, I, I remember one formative kind of moment was where I was playing five-a-side football with some friends and there was a caterpillar going across the um, the football pitch, uh, like just a little concrete football mm. pitch. Um, and I spent ages, I must have spent about 20 minutes or so just kind of shepherding it across the football pitch, making sure the football didn't hit it, making sure nobody trod, trod on it. Um, and, and I've always had that kind of like sensitivity, I guess, around animals. Mm. Um, but I, and I think so. that was the moment when I think I'd connected it with, you know, the breakfast I'd had that morning and stuff. Mm. I kind of really made that connection. Um, so I, I went at that stage, I thought, I'm going to try uh, going vegetarian for, for two weeks. I didn't have a clue what veganism was, I don't think, at that time um, in my life. And then, uh, and that just worked for me. So I, I stayed vegetarian uh, for, for many, many years. Uh, and then I went off to study environmental sciences. So I had an interest in environmental sciences. I studied uh, an undergraduate in environmental sciences and then went on to do a, a master's in a similar, uh, a similar area of study. And, and kind of throughout that time, I, I understood the kind of the environmental dimensions of, um, of, of food production and of, uh, mm. of kind of animal farming and, and the impact that that's having on the, on the planet in terms of land use and in terms of uh, the climate impact and, and water and resource use. Um, so, yeah, but it still took me a very long time to, to get around to veganism. I think uh, I, I was there in terms of my values and, and my understanding um, and I was kind of trying to, trying to get there. I'd kind of uh, sampled some plant milks and I was seeing if I could, oh, maybe I can get ethical eggs. I was looking around, doing a bit of research. Mm. I was never quite happy with it. Um, but uh, yeah, but eventually I got there and I actually met my partner around the same time who was vegan when I met her. Um, so that right. kind of uh, was the final, the final step I needed really is this kind of somebody else in my life that was, that was supportive. So, um, so yeah, it took me about 15 years of, of kind of flip-flopping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I, I got there and I've been vegan now for about five years. So that was, that was my kind yeah. of journey. I'm interested in, you know, you mentioned that the, the environmental uh, issues sort of became front and centre for you, at least when you were, when you were studying. Was that something that was formally taught or was that something that you found through your own research? Because I'm, I'm always interested whether kind of these formal institutions, you know, universities in these kind of studies sort of are, are, are putting their finger squarely at, at animal agriculture and saying, you know, this is a big cause? Yeah, good, really good question. And I think um, at that time, at the time where I was studying, I, I would say no, they weren't really, um, that connection wasn't really formally formally made and it, and it wasn't much of a discussion within, you know, the kind of student body or, or with, the, um, um, with the lecturers and stuff at that time. Um, although it did definitely come up the issue of, of meat eating um, and mm. the kind of the impact of that, um, but yeah, no, it really, really wasn't well understood. I don't think um, within the uh, environmental community, environmental researchers, and uh, the, the, the sheer scale of the impact, I don't think was quite was quite understood. Um, so yeah, it, it was more about kind of kind of understanding it and, and kind of reading around the subject that I think I arrived at it. Um, but from what I understand and, and just from, from looking at the kind of um, the positions of like mainstream uh, environmental organisations and the kind of interests of, of research organisations and university departments um, 
that I've kind of come across since then, um, I think it is becoming more topical and, and there is a kind of desire from, from those sort of institutions to, to discuss the issues of animal agriculture, if not necessarily from a vegan point of view. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it sort of fascinates me that, because, you know, it, it seems so, so logically, you know, a, 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 the issue or an issue, a, a large proportion of the issue. And you've got, you know, the, the UN's long, long shadow report and so on and many others that have come afterwards. So just interested to, to know whether it's sort of, you know, from that background, it, it, it became apparent. So interesting to hear it was kind of there, but but not kind of a squarely and, and that it's evolving. Uh, absolutely. Wait, at what point did you... Did you come across the the vegan society and 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 I suppose crucially then start working you know in, in the organisation? I think um, I was aware of uh, the vegan society uh, when I was um, a, a couple of years before I started working uh, with them. Um, I know my my partner was actually a member of the vegan society, mm. um, and then but I didn't really know much about them at the time. I I kind of heard heard about them. Um, but I joined in. Um, I was I was looking for a, a kind of some working in the area of campaigns and policy, and something that I kind of you know was in line with with my passions and what I kind of believed in. And um, and that uh, a job came up with the Vegan Society. It was October 2019, um, and it was actually to work on their Grow Green campaign or our Grow Green campaign, um, which is about that. Um, it's about agriculture. It's about the production side and of of, of food, um, and that was something that uh, was a particular area of interest for me and, and the, kind of my route to, to veganism. So, um, that, yeah, it's looking looking at the UK um, kind of agriculture policy and um, what we produce here, and um, yeah, how we kind of subsidise farming here and, and all those things, um, and kind of. It was yeah trying to change government policy basically, basically to make it easier for farmers in the UK to make that transition as a sector um, over and, and actually benefit from that transition to uh, plant-based um, diets and vegan diets. Um, so yeah, that really appealed to me. Uh, and that was, as I say, October 2019. And I've been with them since. Yeah. And, w- and when did the... the I, I take it from those very early days, the, the sort of seeds of inspiration for the planting value in our food system report were kind of, it sounds like they were there from the very beginning of your, your tenure with, with the vegan society. Yeah, very much. Yeah. So, so the planting value in the food system report and that work, we, we were, um, what that does, I think, is it pulls together a lot of different strands and and areas of uh, thinking and areas of campaign interest. So um, the vegan society, we, we have a campaigns policy and research department, and we do all sorts of things uh, within that department. We've got dietitians that give um, advice on, you know, nutrition. Um, we've got um, people who work on rights and on, um, you know, rights for vegans um, in the workplace and, and things like that. We've got people who, who look at the connections between, um, look at research connections and what we can do in the world of kind of academia. Um, and then we've got our, our campaigns and policy teams that look at, um, yeah, both convincing pe- more people to try veganism and to stay vegan, um, and and also the, the kind of policy initiatives, the things that are institutional opportunities and barriers towards more people going mm. vegan. Um, so 
we've got this whole kind of host of areas, um, and obviously not all of those relate to food. Uh, veganism's you know broader than food, um, but a lot of them touch on food. And food's obviously a central issue. It's where mm. most of the exploited animals are, and it's it's the way most people engage with with veganism initially. Um, so um, we wanted something that kind of pulled pulled those things together, and 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 was a bit more of a coherent look at the food system and, and its issues. Um, and I think where that came from was we would, um, I think a, a lot of people we, we speak to, whether that be, um, you know, politicians who might be interested or, or um, open to, to our ideas or, or other institutions, environmental campaigns, um, people like that, um, they're not necessarily against or opposed to the, our objectives and our aims for, for a plant-based food system. Um, but often they've got um, very practical concerns um, and, and they're around, um, they, they almost can't visualise how this would happen. How do we, how do we get there? Mm. Um, and, and all they can see is, because it's obviously from where we are now, it's a really big jump. Um, yeah. uh, and there's some, there's some, all they can see are the problems. So the issues are, well, wouldn't it be putting farmers out of um, business if we, if we were to do this, they kind of almost imagine doing it overnight. Um, mm. Wouldn't we be putting farmers out of business? How might we manage uh, grasslands without these, these grazing animals that we use as, uh, as, as livestock for, for food um, and various other issues, concerns over, um, highly processed food because there's been that association between veganism and, and highly processed food in the media um, and so, so there's all those kind of practical concerns around environment around health around uh, the economy and around you know work and just work so it was about saying well how do we help people visualize that how do we how do we make people see that actually just maybe maybe there's a there's a practical route to this um, and these mm. problems aren't uh you know, we can actually overcome these problems with a little bit of thinking um, and with some sort of carefully, um, carefully thought through interventions. So, yeah, it was about sitting around the table um, and and listening to people from across the food system, um, people that agreed with us, uh, people that didn't agree with us, um, and people that were kind of somewhere somewhere between the two, um, and yeah kind of really listening to those concerns and looking at all the latest research and um, about thinking in, in, in food um, and yeah really kind of saying well this is our vision this is, this is what it would look like and, and responding to those concerns through that through that positive uh, vision for the food system um, and also laying out a practical way of getting there through legislation um, but yeah obviously that, that has been we have been thinking about that for a while and it was it was quite a long time ago now that we we actually mm. engaged with Alex initially to with Alex Lockwood the author of the report so uh, Dr Alex Lockwood from the University of Sunderland um, and and he was the lead author on the report and we, we engaged with him a, a long time ago um, but yeah obviously the complexity of those issues you know they took a long time to, to think through mm. Um, and um, yeah, I think now we've got something which is a kind of central uh, document, if you like, and a, a central piece of work that we can use to engage with people from across the food system um, and demonstrate that we've kind of thought about these things in depth um, and that we're kind of, yeah, ready to engage with, with their concerns as well. I think it's an incredible way to approach things and, and, and clearly the right one. And so 
needed in this, you know, these sort of divided times of reaching out, you know, across uh, across the divide, if you like, uh, and 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 speaking to to people within, whether it be the farming community and uh, you know politicians, etc. People like you say who who often disagree. What what was that? Was that always kind of you know baked in from the very beginning? Was that something you wanted to do? And was there a particular kind of short list of people that you wanted to get to, or was it more of a come one, come all, you know, I, we want to get as many people around the table as possible. Yeah, well, well this is something that we kind of, um, Alex kind of developed, I guess, as a, as a research uh, methodology, but something we wanted mm. to do from the start to, you know, we wanted a way of um, of getting around the table and listening to people um, that we hadn't been hearing from in detail um, up until that point and, and getting all their ideas together. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of discussion around or how how broad is this exercise you know how mm. um how and um, you know we had to make decisions how useful is it to speak to people who um are really kind of uh, vitriolically and kind of deeply opposed to us sort of thing so um, yeah. there was a kind of practical decision made around well actually so while we did speak to people who don't agree, we we spoke to animal farmers, we spoke to um Welsh uh, sheep farmers and we spoke to um you know, mixed farmers and dairy farmers. Um, but we didn't go and speak to those people who um, just really couldn't see any value in what we were saying and, and didn't really understand where we were coming from at all. So we were speaking to the kind of almost the progressive elements, if you like, of, of mm. those groups to understand where might the opportunities be to um, to accommodate some of their concerns um, but within a, a vegan um, philosophy so yeah that's kind of how we made that decision is um, and, and actually Alex I heard Alex say something really um, interesting about that which was like if if you um, if we agree with you 80% then we mm. you know then we want to work with you and um, you know in a very meaningful and a very proactive way so um, I think yeah that's that was a that's a good way to to think about it I'm interested in, you know, there being this, I think sometimes in the sort of quote unquote vegan community, there can be a sense of, um, and I think it's a misplaced one in the main that farmers are the kind of the enemy. And, you know, I remember a conversation I had with a different Alex Lockwood, actually the, the director a while back. Um, and he was talking about Jay and Katia Wild, who I know that, uh, the vegan society kind of helped out in sort of veganizing their farm and so on. And, um, it, 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 what was was kind of fascinating, and I was quite you know, relatively new into the podcast at that point, and and it, I don't know what hadn't struck me before. It was like, well, you know, farming is is still integral to any system that you have in place, any food based system, whether it's you know animals at the the centre of it, which obviously we want to avoid, or, or it's plants, um, which I know sounds you know sounds obvious to us now, but at the time, coming from that sort of omnivorous base at the beginning and building my knowledge, it was it was sort of new news, and. It, I'm just interested in, you know, you mentioned these progressive kind of farmers who perhaps are dairy farmers, but have this thought process. Was there a sense, you know, in the conversations with them that they understood there was limited mileage in what they were doing, you know, from a, from a resource point of view and so on and so forth. um, And that their reason was, you know, this is something I've built for, for many, many years, decades, et cetera. And switching it is not something that I can, I can readily do. Was that generally the, the kind of, 
concern and and indeed the you know the thing that they'd spotted for their the, you know the reason for them being progressive and even wanting to have a conversation with you was it because they saw there was a bit of writing on the wall if you like um yes to to an extent i think there was i think more the more overwhelming reason was more that they um their their vision for the food system might have been that um more one of a kind of avoiding uh, intensive farming they, you know they agreed right. with they agreed with this maybe to the extent that um they could see a reduction a significant reduction in in the consumption of animal um products um you know maybe an 80 percent reduction maybe a 90 percent reduction um mm. but that they they felt that modern animal agriculture was something that um that really kind of worried them um and and kind of was was dead against right. their ethics and they were quite difficult conversations to have because um and uh, but at the same time some of them might have been and uh, some of them did open up and say you know but i do feel uncomfortable about you know sending my animals mm. to slaughter or um you know those sorts of things and and i think um you know they have their own ethics and they all have their own individual ethics and way of looking at it i think one of the farmers we engaged with um uh, his daughter was vegan so that was obviously something mm. that um you know, it was a conversation that they'd had to navigate within their household yeah. and within, you know, and and um, and so that had obviously opened um, his mind. Or, you know, although he wasn't convinced, you know, about about veganism, he was, um, he, you know, he got where where we were coming from. Um, and I think the, I think one of the one of the key things that we had to do throughout the report, and that Alex did really well in the interviews, was work about work out what it was about their um about their uh, business and about their the way their connection with the land um and about their connection to what they did as a you know their, as a, a kind of part of their identity what was it mm. about that that was really a value a value and and was there a way to um capture that in a in a plant-based system in an appealing way to those and and see like mm. well, what's actually um, what connects you to this, and what what gives you a source of value and, and identity as a as a farmer, um, and and you know how can we capture that in our vision for a food system? Because that's really important. Um, if we don't sketch that out um, and 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 make that appealing, um, and kind of you know explain how that is an appealing vision for for food production, um, then yeah, there's, there's going to be much more inclined people. Are, going to be much more inclined to just tie themselves to to old systems um out of fear almost of 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 what would be replacing it yeah absolutely but from your perspective thinking about the um you know what what, what's kind of the the various groups that uh, need to get on board for for something like this to be adopted as serious kind of policy and a a way to move forward Uh, and uh, i forgive me for the being reductive here but you got sort of you know the farmers on one side politicians the general public and the hearts and minds there which group is it all three that that need to be kind of you know ready to take this change on for this to happen or do you think the work of the vegan society the you know, vegan community quote-unquote as a wider whole, the, the work needs to be done more with the general public because politicians will act off the back of that. You know, where, where, where's your mind at in terms of, you know, policy, farming, the public, in terms of where our focus should lie? 
Yeah, that's a really, really tough question, actually. And, and my, my answer is going to be a bit of a cop-out, but, but <laughs> in a way, because uh, the way I view it and is that um, you need all of these, these elements to kind of respond to each other. They're, they're kind of, mm. They have a, a reflexive relationship. So, um, yes, you, um, politicians aren't going aren't gonna to move on you know, um, legislating to, to help to enable that change to plant-based um, unless they see it as a large constituency of people who are already um, driven enough um, and believe that to an, an, a big enough extent that they've made changes in their, their personal life. Um, mm. Likewise, uh, food manufacturers and food producers um, aren't going to respond to that unless they've got signals from, from people saying that that's what they want. Mm. But at the same time, we... Um, we don't make off, you know, we, the people who buy food, me and you, uh, and everybody else, food users, if you like, um, we don't, um, we make those choices in, a, in, a, in an environment. We don't make those choices in a vacuum. Um, mm. So we make those choices based on um, what food we have uh, access to, what food is marketed to us, um, what the cost of that food is, uh, the information we have about the, you know, the how healthy that food is and, and things like that. Uh, and also a load of other cultural factors that kind of, mm. you know, uh, restrain or inform those choices. Um, so y- you need all of those things. And I, I think even, you know, companies, um, you know, kind of entrepreneurs that, that bring new food manufacturing technologies to the market and, and um, vegan companies that actually um, make vegan food really nice and appealing and are marketing it to people and making it available to people. Um, those people really make a difference, you know, in what, um, in what choices we make and, and how many of us are vegan. Um, and likewise, government policy, um, it can do things that are really important, like affect the price of different foods. Mm. Um, you know, um, the, our trade agreements, our um, subsidies, agricultural subsidies, um, various you know government schemes, um, they can affect the price and accessibility and availability of of food, um, and even where it's advertised, what food we see when we're out and about, um, and kind of you know what, what's pushed pushed onto us, if you like. So, the approach that we take at uh, the vegan society is that we try and work on all of those things. Um, we identify mm. where where the barriers are and where the opportunities are, and then and then run a campaign um, on those. Um, so. Might be a good time to just give you a couple of examples of those sort of yeah. campaigns, actually. Um, so, um, some couple of recent examples uh, are our vegan thriving campaign, and and that um, in, the, in the kind of latest iteration of that campaign, we've been getting information into uh, GP surgeries um, and also into um, you know on online as well, and uh, and into various other places um, that people can access it out and about. Um, including kind of health health messages, basically, um, and also you know recipes and things like that, um, and that's targeting. That's very kind of carefully targeted at people mm. who um, might want to go vegan but have concerns over the health element of it, um, or um, might want to take more control over their diet um, and and could see a, a healthy vegan diet as an opportunity to do that. So um, yeah, so, so we have that, but we also have our future normal campaign. Uh, and that's 
really getting people to think about their relationship with, with animals and reflect on that relationship, um, again, with some, some on, online resources and some advertising um, that people can see when they're out and about. Um, we've also got our Plate Up for the Planet campaign. That's um, a bit like the Veganuary Challenge, but it's a seven-day, it's a shorter seven-day challenge, and it's really uh, heavily focused on people who are concerned about the environment, concerned about climate change. Um, so that's going to be a really important campaign for us in the run-up to um, the COP26 uh, conference, so the, the climate conference that's being held in, in Glasgow um, in uh, November this year. Um, so yeah, that's a kind of a few examples of the kind of the the range of areas we work and, we're, and yeah, like I say, we we tackle all of those things, um, all of those kind of key areas, rather than just focusing on just policy or focusing on um, just kind of consumer behaviour. Just thinking about some of those because all fantastic com- campaigns and thinking about like you know the the future normal and so on and so forth and you know I've seen that campaign and I think it's it is excellent and you know wonderfully kind of put together um feels very uh relevant to how some people might be feeling right now you know through uh through the kind of this enforced period of reflection and so on are you seeing much uh, traction from sort of the wider kind of omnivorous population who have gone through some kind of moment of reflection and and are turning to the vegan society for that first port of call from you know from an information standpoint off the back of some of these campaigns are they does it feel like there's, there's, they're gaining some momentum um yeah i mean it does feel like that it's um it's obviously hard to tell, uh, yeah. you know, without kind of really, really you need to look in the, in the long term to see if these things are mm. um, are working. But it does feel like that, you know, we, we, we do get engagement with these campaigns um, and we can, you know, we can track that engagement. And so we know people are, are hitting the website and, and you know, engaging with the kind of resources that we've got. Um, and we, yeah, we get inquiries from new vegans as well coming in um, to the society looking for information and advice or saying they've seen a campaign and they like it or, or they've seen a campaign and they don't like it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think we are, there is that co- conversation going on with, um, with omnivores and, and, and it's definitely kind of vegan adjacent people, if you like, that we're, we're talking yeah. to a lot of the time um, when it comes to individual behaviour change um, who are nearly there but just, just need um a little you know a kind of another conversation about it or um something just to address fine those final worries they might have um but yeah i mean one thing we do uh one thing we do track is um we do a survey every few years called how many vegans um and that's basically the most the the most reliable um, data that, that is collected in the UK about how many vegans there actually are and, and looks at those trends. Mm. Um, we haven't been able to do that for a while because of the way um, the, the methodology that, that we use for that um, hasn't been possible throughout um, COVID and that we wanted to keep that consistent kind of methodology so mm. it was, um, could really be easily compared to previous years. Um, but the last time we did that in, um, I think we released the data in t- early 2019, it was um, around 600,000 vegans in the UK. And that was a significant increase from um, uh, 2014, where it was 150, approximately 150,000. So um, I think there's good reasons to believe that, that trend has continued uh, and that we, you know, we could be over a million vegans in the UK now. Um, but, you know, we're not going to know until we get that data in. But, you know, 
it, yeah, if it's followed that trend, um, certainly um, the vegan movement and, uh, and the vegan kind of ethic and philosophy um, is taking hold and, and is increasing year on year. Um, and you know, I, I hope we are contributing that to that as a as a as an organisation. I think absolutely are. I mean, whether it's the the campaigns, like you say, the work with the policies, and uh, this this new report, I think you know, comes at it from a from an incredible angle, which I think will. I think the phrase Alex used was, you know, having having a having something shovel ready for when and if a, a government kind of needs it. Uh, it's there. Here it is. Um, and and on that note, actually, I just wanted to ask a question and get your your sort of thought on this because you know I see. And, and obviously, you know, as somebody in the sort of vegan community, I'm kind of um, always conscious of, you know, you feel like you're in a bit of an echo chamber sometimes. And, you know, I wonder whether I th- I th- feel like things are, are gathering a faster pace than perhaps they are just because I'm submerged in, in sort of vegan media. But, um, you know, I do see like, you know, mainstream adverts. I think there's one narrated by Stephen Fry for Sainsbury's recently that was, that was talking about, um, you know, eating a more plant-based life, you know, uh, diet and so on and so forth. Um, and you know, like, like you say, I think there has been a bit of a moment of, um, I think through this moment of reflection, I think people are turning those vegan adjacent folks, certainly people I know anecdotally who are who are asking some of those questions and wanting to reach out to the vegan society and so on and so forth. I, you mentioned something a, a while back though that I wanted to pick up on around politicians, which was you know thinking about where they. Um, that sometimes, you know, they have a, a part to play as well as companies in kind of marketing or, or letting an idea take hold, you know, whether it be from a government point point of view, it might be how you know, inexpensive or expensive, you know, a taxation system might make food and so on and so forth. These kind of things, they all have this influence and the relationship's kind of symbiotic. I, I'm interested in whether you see any politicians who are kind of looking for... Uh, almost ways to help convince the the general public from a viewpoint of you know it might be that they're they're concerned with climate change it might be they're concerned with food security um, you know even even from a Brexit standpoint you know is it that that there's a concern over actually this food food system that you're proposing would be much better off for us because you know it gives us control sovereignty over our kind of our food production we're not you know using two and a half times the land of the UK to to make the food that we need etc are you seeing any any politicians kind of thinking that way and trying to think of ways to help the public along um i think uh well there, there are certainly a few politicians who um are vegan themselves um, and mm-hmm. who who really passionately believe uh, that, that that's the kind of system we need. Um, it, it, it becomes difficult when it gets to a kind of party political level. I think yeah. in that um, the yeah they're they're very they're very restrained, and obviously within our kind of primarily two party system, um, they're very restrained by the party line in terms of what they can say that that will fall outside of that. Um, but yeah, th- there certainly is. Um, politicians who who are vegan and politicians who um, are maybe not quite vegan, but um, but f- but would see that that's where um, the, our food system is heading for all those reasons you outlined for climate reasons or um, yeah food security reasons. Um, so yeah, I mean we we are having those conversations. We, we actually have an all-party parliamentary group and an APPG. Mm. So this is a, a 
a group of MPs who, and that's for veganism and vegetarianism. So it's a group of vegan and vegetarian MPs um, who, yeah, we'll kind of, we dis- discuss these issues um, as a group and we have uh, guest speakers to come and, and talk about health and environment. Um, that was something that Alex actually um, d- gave a talk to, to, to speak to MPs about that, about the planting value uh, in the food system report. Um, so, so yeah, um, politicians are definitely interested. Um, I think a really important thing from politicians, um, as well as the policies themselves uh, that can actually facilitate a change, is um, confidence in that in that direction. So, I think um, mm. uh, we had um, Kwasi Kwarteng, who I think is the, the business secretary at the moment. He's um, he said uh, at the U.S. kind of climate. A convention um, that vegans were making a positive contribution to uh, you know in their response to climate change, um, and you know messages like that are actually really important because they send they mm. send a message to the country, send a message to companies, and they send a message to the public that actually this isn't a fringe idea. This is something that um, can help uh, can help towards meeting our kind of national international obligations. Um, but yeah, at the moment we haven't got much kind of policy uh, follow through on that, and 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 that's a shame because um, we've had you know most recently the uh, national food strategy which in, announced um, which recommends a thirty percent reduction in in the consumption of animal products. Before that, um, earlier in the year we had the committee on climate change in its sixth carbon budget that also recommended uh, significant reductions in animal products. Um, and that was the one recommendation from the committee of climate change, committee on climate change, that the government explicitly um, ignored. So they they kind of said, oh, "Well, we are going to adopt all of this, but not quite all of it." And they they dropped that bit in particular. So there's there's obviously still a uh, taboo around the idea, um, but I think that's a taboo that is is um, is changing very quickly. And I think, and I I hope and this might be. Uh, wishful thinking but i uh, i feel that in in a few years perhaps you know three years five years it will be something that um politicians can talk openly about and, and talk openly about the benefits of that um you know without too much fear of kind of uh backlash mm. yeah I, I, it definitely feels like there is a it'll be a slow but a, a sea change you know there are think there are things just the the link, the climate change, veganism link, you hear more and more and more in, in, in places that I think even four or five years ago you wouldn't have heard those two ever being linked. You know, you, you, you talked about your experience in uh, university. Uh, you're now hearing it on, you know, morning television, you know, that, that, that kind of link. So... I'm sort of cautiously optimistic. I think my, my my sort of biggest concern, I guess, is the time, you know, and how, how long these things take. And uh, I think Alex said something which is probably uh, true, but 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 also kind of scary that that you know it it, it might not it might take a a significant climate event of some description to really get people to make that link, you know, and, and certainly get governments into that place. I hope not. And I think the the kind of re- the, the report that you've, you've put together here with, with Alex, the, the work you're doing around policy and so on, I think 
uh, let's hope we can get people there without that. But um, you know, it, when we think about the, the the different angles that that you know can capture hearts and minds of of omnivorous folk, and you know, we obviously you know as, as vegans for a for a while, we you know the old adage of you know you come for the health and stay for the animals, or you know uh, those kind of things. I think that probably we're probably more focused on on kind of animal welfare and so on, but. Do you think that climate change is probably the, the the key area if you're thinking about this strategically from a hearts and minds point of view with the general population? Uh, yeah, I think, well, I definitely think climate change is the key area when it comes to speaking to institutions and speaking to um, right. governments and government bodies about uh, veganism because that's an area where they squarely have a responsibility and everyone mm-hmm. and everyone expects them to act on climate change. You know, there's uh, an overwhelming majority of the public um, feel, uh, and, and this is borne out by, by polling data, that the government has a responsibility to, you know, to, to, to act on climate change and, and bring us in line with a kind of mm. uh, a climate-friendly future, if you like, a future that avoids climate catastrophe. Um, so... To the extent that, that that veganism is a core part of that, um, then you know we have a real opportunity speaking with those institutions. Um, but um, it's usually when we look at kind of data in terms of individual uh, decision making and individual behaviour change, um, it usually comes a kind of close third behind those other two oh. um, factors. So behind um, animal rights or, or you know compassion. Um, animal welfare um and then health um mm. and and i think the health one's interesting because it's, it's really about people i think wanting to take control of of their diets and what they eat and i think doing that through veganism people often um you know find that um find a healthy diet by by yeah kind of using veganism to take a little bit of control and um, have a little bit more active thought over over what they're putting in their bodies um, but yeah, um, it, it is an interesting one, and, it, and I find that puzzling because that, for me, was a really important factor, and that's what I spend a lot of my time thinking about um, as well as in terms of my role at the Vegan Society. Um, those kind of climate and ecological questions, um, which are really, really pressing. Um, but yeah, I think I think for most vegans these days, it, it is a combination of of the three, um, and. Um, having that personal motivation when it, you know, that relationship with animals that they can, that's, that's really visceral, um, that idea of, of, you know, concern about what they're putting in their body and, and health, um, and also having that kind of global um, and kind of social motivation around climate mm. and, and ecological uh, emergency is, I think, a really powerful combination. So, um, yeah, usually usually comes third when we, when we poll it, but yeah. But that's what people say, and and um, uh, and what people say isn't always, uh, you know, actually, you know, re- really what motivated them. And I know no, we all we all kind of um, uh, tell a story, don't we? And we we mm. we think that um, things happen in a certain way. In my in my story earlier to you, um, <laughs> talking about the uh, the caterpillar, I don't know if that's something that I just reflect on and and, and remember yeah. now and, and feel was important, um, or whether it was important at the time. But but yeah. Yeah, like they say, you 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 can only join the dots looking backwards. Exactly. You know, it's, yeah. uh, that, 
I think yeah, I think you're right. We're we're sort of um, pattern forming creatures, aren't we? We're we're, we're pretty good at creating a narrative. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting to to see. Cause it, I'd love to. I mean, not that they would ever release it, but I'd love to see the like Netflix data on the varying documentaries and and which ones kind of land uh, land the most. And I suppose the next step is, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people. You probably have too. You've watched Cowspiracy or Seaspiracy, and sort of oh that's that's bad and they're not done anything about it and I sort of find that doubly baffling but uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> people people are, are interesting creatures <laughs> yeah absolutely and social creatures as well I think I think uh, the thing about yeah. those documentaries you know documentaries are so effective um, uh, uh, getting people talking about veganism but um, I think a lot of it depends you know they, they might watch it and then speak to their friends about it and, and a lot of yeah. what happens afterwards really depends Depends what Maybe. you know, what, how it landed. So you know, if, they, if their friends said, oh, "I watched it too," actually, it really, really affected me, and they, and they have a really positive conversation about that, um, then it can lead them to veganism. If they say, um, you know, if they they start a conversation with their friends about it, and they said, "Oh, you didn't listen to that, you know, vegan propaganda, did you?" Then, uh, you know, <laughs> then then they have a very different reaction. So I think, yeah, that that thing about having uh, having vegan family members and vegan friends that you know and 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 you like and you can talk openly to, um, that you know that really affects people as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, case in point, I remember talking to somebody about cowspiracy, and they talked talked to me about how it had been debunked on a Joe Rogan podcast and I thought oh okay right <laughs> I tried to direct them back to the sources of, of where Calspiracy got their uh, information the Oxford University report etc but Joe Rogan was uh, was better research apparently Joe Rogan, very, a very powerful influence well this is the power of podcasts so <laughs> yeah so I haven't got his audience just yet but you Not know hopefully yet. one day uh <laughs> can sort of um, be the the vegan Joe Rogan uh, <laughs> slightly less alt-right but uh, <laughs> there you go um, I, I wanted to ask a question on food we, we talked about the the food being um, you know the, and the health benefits and so on I, I remember um, when I, probably the the after I'd done some because I, I, I went my journey was going through cowspiracy I watched cowspiracy uh, that day I was like right I need to, well first of all actually I, I checked out the re- the sources of information on their website. So I thought, well, this can't all be true. And then once I'd seen enough, you know, UN report, Oxford University, I was kind of like, where have I, where, where has this information been hiding and, and made the, made the, the switch there and then, but probably the third or fourth website I went to after I'd done that research was the vegan society. Cause you know, you then think, right, I need to figure out, how do I do this? You know, from the from the health standpoint, am I going to keel over and die within the next sort of three weeks? You know, these kind of the natural concerns because of all the things that have been ingrained in us since we were since we were children. And you know, I think one of the things that's been apparent to me over the just the last four and a bit years, uh, you know, the choice has become uh, you know abundant. You mentioned that there's this this link that's being made and I don't think it's necessarily an incorrect one in some cases where people's view of veganism is processed food I don't think it needs to be but I think that that's the view because they're seeing these you know there's many vegan news sources on social media that that talk about progress in terms of whether Nestle have released a Kit Kat and you know these kind of things um and uh, there's something about it sort of uh, 
irks at me a little bit that that, that there may be a um a cause for concern if you like and at least a dialing up required of the message around how to how to eat healthily you know whether it's vegan or not but ideally vegan um from the point of view that if if we don't address that we could end up losing people once they come in because they think the only way to do this is by eating processed cheese and processed meat like doing exactly what they were doing before do, do you see that as kind of a a valid concern and something we need to make sure that we do address and dial up that volume in the right way. Um, yeah, I, th- I do. I, th- I do think it's a valid concern, and, and that's that's exactly why we we, we do put resources into. So we've got a, a team of two dietitians now, um, and um, you know we, we focus on you know things like um, uh, the need for for most people to supplement um, and supplement mm. um, you know B twelve and. Uh, vegan multivitamins now um veg one no veg less, one, no less. Uh, yeah we do it's veg one the one uh, I, I personally personally use great um and <laughs> yeah uh other multivitamins are available um but, but we sell veg one and um yeah so uh, that is a valid concern i think um and as you say if you know if if we do find that there's a movement of people who are drawn to veganism but don't necessarily um see uh, take much care in their di- in their overall diets or take much interest in those nutritional um elements of it um then yeah we are going to find a lot of people who aren't getting uh, as much out of those diets aren't finding them to be fulfilling for them and their health and well-being um, and ultimately it's going to affect the growth of the movement so i think um yeah at the moment if you look at kind of um uh, you know, there's population studies that look at the the health of vegans, the health outcomes of vegans compared to other uh, groups with different diets. Um, you know, we perform pretty well. We're 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 a fairly healthy bunch um, uh, compared to other other kind of dietary groups. Um, and there's there's some well known, obviously, benefits of um, at least um, not overeating um, animal products um, that, that that vegans benefit from. So. Um, there is a real opportunity there and we, we need to, in order to be able to kind of maintain that message to say, look, you can really thrive on a, on a vegan diet and the, and the data and the evidence um, bears that out. Um, we, need, we need most vegans to, to, to have some awareness of nutrition um, and to be eating those, those kind of whole food diets. So, so yeah, I mean, we promote um, whole food diets um, primarily, um, obviously, um, pulses are incredibly important. Um, so your lentils, your beans, uh, your peas, and actually um, they match up really nicely with some of the best performing um, diets in terms of environment. So these um, whole food diets with lots of seasonal vegetables and pulses um, are are some of the most sustainable diets um, that you can get as well. So um, those things match up really nicely. Um, but yeah, I think there's barriers to that for some people though, aren't there? So mm. cooking being one of them, um, uh, having the space and the time uh, and the, the knowledge to, to learn how to cook uh, a wide variety of foods from scratch um, and in a way that you enjoy and that you like. So, so it does take a little bit of um, time and it, and it you know, takes some adaptation. So I think, um, yeah, it is also important just to, just to do the bare, the kind of basics for vegans and that's, you mm. know, get some nice, easy, healthy recipes out there and, uh, and encourage people to share them and talk about them and, um, 
Uh, and yeah, talk about those things as well. And I think there are there is kind of legislation that can help with that. So obviously in the, the national food strategy, it talked about um, tax on um, on high sugar um, and high fat, um, highly processed foods. Um, so so that's the kind of thing that could that could make vegan products um, healthier. Um, because yeah, uh, after all, it's it's about highly processed or not highly processed. And um, I think there is a variety of um, you know, not all kind of manufactured products are high sugar or high salt or, or high fat. Mm. Um, some of them are actually relatively simple, um, uh, relatively simple ingredients um, and actually, you know, really pretty good at providing kind of vegan protein. So um, I don't want to kind of uh, preach to the vegans out there who are thinking, well, does that mean I can't have a, a vegan sausage sandwich or, <laughs> or whatever? No, absolutely not. You know, that, that's an important part of, uh, of my diet as well and, and of... Uh, uh, of all of our diets but um but yeah it's about having that balance isn't it and making sure people have got the kind of opportunities and knowledge to to have those uh, kind of whole foods as well sage advice tim as as, as i would have expected <laughs> where, where would folks uh because time time is uh is against us i've taken up enough of your time it's been great chatting with you but where would folks go to first of all read the uh, planting value in our food system report uh, and secondly, check out some of the other campaigns that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so um, hit our website. Um, just type in the Vegan Society, Google the Vegan Society and hit our website. Um, and you, you can go to the campaigns tab on our website or campaigns hub where we've got all the uh, the campaigns there and people can uh, can read a bit more about them, explore them. Um, we've also got a uh, micro site for the um, uh for the planting value report and that's plantingvalueinfood.org um, so they can go directly there to find that out um, but you can also access that from our, our main website as well so um, yeah plantingvalueinfood.org to, to check out the um, uh, the food systems report and yeah veganciety.com um, to um, to go on our main site and, and look at those recipes and check out the campaigns 100%. That microsite, it's, it's a, it was a real education eye-opener for me. Like I thought that report was fantastic and it was a, a great resource to help you navigate it in, in sort of simple terms and you could get deeper and deeper as you as you wanted to. So, yeah, appreciate the, appreciate the work. I think it's incredible. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's some little animation on there as well that people can watch and you can download the reports from there as well if you want to kind of read them in more depth. Um, but yeah, been a real pleasure. Um, and thanks so much for having me on. Ah, thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Speak soon. Cheers. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>